It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no holds barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Link in the description. Use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word. 25% off now. I'm back. Rudrance for Black and White Sports. Well, we're going to talk about Cam Newton because it seems that Cam Newton may have, and I'm going to use this term loosely, may have. I don't know. We are talking about what may be a very scorned ex-wife. Who knows? But it seems that Cam Newton might have racked up a shit ton of utility bills that aren't paid. Yeah, we're talking about the ex-NFL most valuable player quarterback that just was literally in training camp last year right down to the bitter end in New England as their starting quarterback and then got cut for Mac Jones. And then back to the Carolina Panthers in the great return that didn't turn out so great. Now we're finding out that it seems Cam Newton has $21,000 in unpaid utility bills. $21,000? What kind of utility companies do they have out there? How the hell did they keep this shit turned on for you to be able to rack up $21,000 worth of utility bills? I just love to understand that. Did they... Did you change the debit card and forget to change your, your automatic draft for your payments? I don't know what it is, but this is wild. This is outkick. Cam Newton's ex-wife accuses him of not paying absurd utility bills. Now, let's take this with a grain of salt because we are talking about ex-wives here. And a lot of ex-wives, let's be real, hate the ex-husband. So, let's just keep that in mind, okay? I understand Cam uh, is eccentric and a little flamboyant and at times can drive us up a tree, but you never know what's really going on here. Cam Newton better dig up some Dave Ramsby, Ramsey, oh my God, Ramsey DVDs because he's got an angry ex-wife and some serious debt. For those of you that are wondering, those two things do not play well together. Of course not. According to court documents obtained by Radar Online, Newton's ex-wife, Kia Proctor, is coming after the former NFL MVP for over $21,000 for charges incurred from September 2020 to July 2022. The breakdown, $5,500 in cable expenses, $6,600 in internet expenses, $4,725 in power charges. Wow, that seems cheap. That seems way cheap. And another $4,532 for gas. I would assume natural gas, but who knows. For a grand total owed comes to $21,357. Key ain't done yet. She also reportedly wants him to pay $2,000 to cover her legal bills for having to drag him to court. 
Yikes. Imagine going to the mailbox, pulling out a utility bill for 20 grand. Wild. That's essentially what poor Cam's now dealing with. This guy still can't get an NFL team to bite. Newton last played for the Panthers again last season and was an unmitigated disaster and has been a free agent ever since. And now this. According to the court filings, Newton currently pays his wife and mother to his four children over 14000 a month in support. All I've ever seen is that Cam Newton's a good dad, but I don't know. I, I can just tell you what I've seen visually with my own eyes. But still hasn't paid any of those utility bills per the temporary agreement and has ignored all payment requests. And in case you're wondering how do I know that, he's got a YouTube channel. To be fair, I do the same thing. I cannot remember the last time I actually opened up a bill and paid it right there on the spot. If it's not on auto pay, you're pretty much going to have to threaten to cut the power, and it's probably not happening. And hey, they haven't called my bluff yet. This is, um, who is this? Zach Dean over at OutKick. Okay. Anyway, Cam usually has an escape this time of the year in the NFL, but he's currently a free agent, so he may have to deal with this head on. Maybe he'll sell a couple of outfits on Facebook Marketplace. And yeah, let's just get a quick, uh, I don't know what's up with these hats, Cam. Oh, that's, uh, okay. That, look, Cam, I'm going to keep it real. That's some beta shit right there. Uh, and this, I, I don't know what you're doing there. I don't. Uh, him and Dwayne Wade and Russell Westbrook, I guess, are all kicking it together. I don't know. My God, Cam Newton. I, look, I'm going to just come out and say it. I think this is partially why Cam is not in the league anymore. Because there was just too many outside things he tends to care about. I mean, can you imagine Tom Brady caring about this kind of you know, outfit, let's put this together and the camera angle and the blah. Ain't nobody caring about that. My God, keep your head in the playbook. You know, there was speculation last year when he got cut from the, the, the Patriots that he has still not learned the offense from the year before that Mac Jones already knew the offense and he had just got there after being drafted last year. He had already already knew the offense, and there were rumors. This is just a rumor, but there were rumors that he was helping Cam with the offense. Mac Jones was helping Cam with the offense. Wow. Wow. And now Cam allegedly won't pay his bills. Again, look, we got to be objective. We don't know. We're talking about ex-wife here. Uh, you know, you never know. I mean, shit, I've got some pissed off ones myself. You know, that I haven't seen him forever, and that's fine. Good God, please don't let me see them. Anyway, tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Link in the description. Use promo code USAFIRST, all one word. USAFIRST, all one word. 25% off now. I'm back. Rudrance for Black and White Sports. 
We're going to talk about Tom Brady and Giselle, the split. And uh, we do believe there are potential on-field implications that could come out of this split. (laughs) The most glaring and obvious being Tom Brady decides to forego the season, the NFL season, leaving Tampa Bay without a starting quarterback and try to go save his marriage. They are in a split right now. She is in Costa Rica. And, of course, Tom is with the Buccaneers, about to play football. Uh, but we've got we've got a story that's emerged that comes from some comments that Giselle made uh, a couple of years ago about the fact that she's got evidently some serious anger management issues. And evidently the fights with Tom Brady can only be described as epic. I mean, they are epic blowouts. Uh, so make sure you hit subscribe. Also, if you are listening to us on podcasts, and we are available on podcasts, all audio across Black and White Network, uh, Black and White Sports is available on the podcast. We are getting thousands of listens a day over there now. So if you get busy, can't catch video, catch the audio. All right, let's do this. Wow, this is the website, marka.com. Giselle Bunsen talks anger management issues and fights with Tom Brady. Brazilian model gave details of her character in her book, Lessons, My Path to a Meaningful Life. Wow, man, here we go. After the marital crisis that Tom Brady and Giselle Bunsen were allegedly experiencing, or are allegedly experiencing, the Brazilian model once spoke of a rare of the rare but heated fights between her and her husband. Quote, Tom and I don't argue much, but sometimes when I feel the anger building in me, building and building, I realize what's going on. Giselle wrote in her book, Lessons in My Path to a Meaningful Life, from 2018. Quote, instead of reacting in a way that I will regret later, I remember to breathe. She reads in the post of the model, 42 years old, we better, we better talk later, she learned to say to defuse the tension with Brady. Meditation has been a key for helping me with my own reactivity. Bunchen added, I think my anger as a visitor, and I can see that, it's potentially destructive. So I make a conscious decision not to get involved with it, she explained. And, quote, next time Tom and I are together, we can review whatever we are talking about in a loving and respectful way like we always do. Are you sure that's what you always do, considering what has happened? Because the word has it, you got very angry and took off to Costa Rica, just up and left. At least that's the word out there. Although, Giselle Giselle Bunchen Learn to control her anger and avoid fights. This did not stop her and NFL star from having marital problems. According to Page Six, Giselle left the family compound in Tampa, Florida, for Costa Rica while the Tampa Bay Buccaneers QB stayed behind to train with the team. Let me point out the obvious. How cool would it be to have something called a compound? Quote, there have been problems in the marriage due to, due to her decision Uh, His decision not to retire. They say her. That's a typo. Giselle has always been the one with the kids. They agreed that he would retire 
to focus on family, but then he changed his mind, explained one person close to the couple. That's what all of this is about, is the fact that Tom decided to unretire and return to football, and she absolutely lost it, which would lead you to believe that if he decides to turn around and retire, then their marriage should, in theory, get back together. I'm actually shocked. If you want to know the truth, I'm shocked he's going through with this. Okay, and is this going to cause some pressure on the field and disrupt his football life? Yeah, it looks like it already is. Tom Brady flies to son's football practice after returning from personal leave. He's such a great dad, sweet dad. And yeah, word has it he's a great dad. Tom Brady is making sure to spend time with his children, even if that means jumping on a flight. A source tells people the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, 45 years old, flew to New York to see 15-year-old son John, quote, Jack Edwards practice football game after his recent 11-day absence from the NFL team. Tom was in great spirits, chatted to all the parents, the insider said. He flew all the way in for the scrimmage. He's such a sweet dad, and he's always there for Jack. He also brought along son Benjamin Rain, 12, 9-year-old daughter Vivian Lake, whom he shares with wife Giselle Boonshin. And, of course, he co-parents Jack with Bridget Monahan. So, and in case you don't know who that is, that's... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A lady that is is or was, I haven't seen it lately, um, um, that is stars on Blue Bloods, which is a great show. I've only seen the first season, but, man, it's really damn good. Uh, New York Police, Donnie Wahlberg, Tom Selleck. Yeah, crusty old Tom Selleck. Really good show. So if you haven't seen that yet, what am I talking about? I need to finish it, hell. Uh, So, and I know a lot of y'all are wondering, why are y'all covering this? It's because it's relevant. It is absolutely relevant to what's going on with the Buccaneers on the field. I mean, you could have implications where... All of a sudden, the Bucks are looking around the league to find a starting quarterback. Because, like I said, I'm shocked Tom has decided to go ahead and go through with this. Why? Because he's only playing one or two more years. I mean, do you really go ahead and sacrifice and implode the marriage, explode the marriage? Do you blow it up over one or two years of football left? Okay, because look, Giselle's been covering his butt with the parenting for years. She started talking about wanting him to retire. You started hearing that, like, back in his late 30s, okay? He's 45, and I'm sure she's sitting back going, you know, dude, uh, I've covered you and covered you and covered you, uh, and then you retire. I'm sure she was probably, word has it, she was ecstatic. And then you turn around, flip-flop, and go back? Yeah, I mean, look, it's this is going to bear watching 
I mean, all the way through the season or until until they're they're in back together essentially. This is going to bear watching, so we're going to keep covering it. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. This is interesting. This comes out that she's known to have anger management issues. Okay, as told by her book, she's got anger management issues. Her and Tom have had these epic fights. You know, is that what happened? They had an epic fight, and she booked it to to Costa Rica? Wow. I don't know. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Link in the description. Use promo code USAFIRST, all one word. USAFIRST, all one word. 25% off now. I'm back. Rudrance for our Black and White Network. We're going to talk about Joseph Biden's uh, Adolf Hitler Emperor Palpatine speech from the other night. Uh, because something has come out involving CNN that has now went viral. And it's funny because CNN evidently realized, especially if, we, if they can confirm that it's true, it's on video. You can tell it. It's obvious. And they are trying to blame it on CBS News's feed, I guess, to CNN. I don't know that I buy that. Now, according to uh, CNN, of course, they got a new CEO, Chris Light, and evidently, in fact, on Twitter, the Twitter mob is going nuts over CNN because now they're saying that CNN is pro-MAGA. Oh, okay. I said, look, we'll believe in any change CNN makes when they have a long-standing history of calling things fair. But until then, we're not believing anything from that network. We're just not. And the other thing we're going to talk about, and we can, we can sort of lead with that first, is the fact that Joe Biden doubled down on his hate for MAGA Republicans. Yeah, he did this on uh, Sunday. So let's just go down here. As Breitbart News reported, despite being panned on his, for his Thursday address, Biden has doubled down on his rhetoric, releasing a statement on social media Sunday morning saying, the MAGA agenda represents an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. It doesn't respect our Constitution. Lie. It doesn't believe in the rule of law. Lie. And it doesn't recognize the will of the people. Super lie. Uh, Biden's recent rhetoric is stark contrast to his inaugural address in January 2021, where he claimed that he wanted to be a unifier. Quote, restore the soul of the nation. However, it was noted he was also demonizing some Americans of different political leanings during the address as well. So, uh, yeah, he's completely decided to get away from that uh, we're all going to come together crap, which we weren't. I mean, look, there was no way we were coming together on a socialist agenda anyway. You're not pushing this gender ideology in the schools, teaching CRT, going to be okay with running out there, all the crime, all the lawlessness, I mean, let's be real. Republicans and conservatives were never coming to that side of the aisle anyway because we're just, there's certain things we're not going to agree to. 
okay? And this more atheist approach from the Democrats, too. We wasn't coming around to that. So uh, he can take his little speech and he can cram it where the sun doesn't shine. By the way, he tried to back off of that Friday. And then here we are, less than 48 hours later, he's doubling down on it. Now, to the actual story that I wanted to cover, CNN tweaks the color balance, turns blood red background pink during Joe Biden's decisive speech. That's right. They literally changed the color of the screen so it would look less ominous. CNN actually did this. My wife is looking at me like, what the hell are you talking about? Let's get to this. As President Joe Biden receives criticism for poor optics of his divisive primetime speech on Thursday, sorry, uh, Adolf Hitler Emperor Palpatine speech, there cleared that up for you, Breitbart, viral footage appears to show that CNN altered the blood red background lighting to look to a lighter shade of hot pink during his address. And we're going to see this time lapse. It's pretty crazy. During Biden's speech, observers noticed that the optics were tone deaf as characterized by, quote, MAGA Republicans as a threat to the nation democracy using authoritarian visuals with U.S. Marines as props in the background along with menacing lighting. And uh, we can literally see this. Watch the moment CNN slowly adjust the camera settings when the blood red lighting behind Dark Brandon is looking a, a little too authoritarian. I'm sorry, Darth Brandon. She said Dark. I'm saying Darth. By the end, the stripes of the American flag are pinkish purple. Okay, so let's just look at this. We can see yeah. it happen. We the people respect the guard there you go. of the republic. There you Only go. if we the people accept the results there you of go. fair elections. Only That's if pink. Oh, there it is. The really big time. Look at that. See, politics, That's purple and pink right there. Not as total war, wow. but mediation of our differences. Wow. Democracy cannot survive. CNN. One side believes there are only two outcomes to an election. Oh, Either they still win, the leftist network. Or they were cheated. Let's look. Of free One more time. Elections. Oh, oh, there it is. We there the it people. is. Pink. See, pink. politics. Not as total war, but mediation yeah. of our differences. Yeah. Democracy so, cannot survive. That's confirmed. I mean, that's right there. there only two uh, now, you, you know CNN is trying to cover their tracks. I mean... Either they win or... Holy shit. <laughs> CNN edited the red background. That's Jack Posobiec that came out and called that out. Mediate, a media watchdog site, that's Dan Abrams' site, uh, which he actually owns but doesn't have anything to do with, released a side-by-side footage of other major networks at the same moment of the speech, maintaining the dark background while CNN's gradually shifted to a lighter shade. A CNN spokesperson claimed the lighting change was due to a technical glitch from CBS's news pull feed, the New York Post reported. Okay. However, conservative social media accused the far-left network of attempting to soften Biden's image as the speech received such poor reviews. Jake Snyder, laugh out loud, halfway through Brandon's speech, CNN subtly altered the color of the background, presumingly, presumingly to make it look less evil and creepy. 
Wow. Even the far-left CNN host Brianna Keeler criticized the optics of Biden's speech over the decision to place U.S. Marines in the background. Whatever you think of this speech, the military is supposed to be apolitical, Keeler tweeted, positioning Marines in uniform behind President Biden for a political speech flies in the face of that. She did go on and say, it's wrong when Democrats do it, it's wrong when Republicans do it. If confirmed that CNN decided to soften Biden's image partway through the address, it would raise serious questions as to whether or not new CNN CEO and chairman Chris Light is serious about his claims to change the direction of the network from a left-wing partisan stance. And so... Yeah, and that's what they say they're doing. And there's even host over there that's sort of running scared. They say Don Lemon's uh, Don Lemon's scared, and he even took a shot at the new CEO uh, because you know he didn't like the message he was supposed to start delivering with Republicans. He felt like they were extreme, and uh, the way they had been covering it was just fine. He might want to redirect that because ask Brian Stelter how how much how much that worked out for him. Uh, because he's in the unemployment line now. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't trust anything that network does. And to me, it's going to have years, of course, correction to ever get back on track. Their ratings are terrible. And I can't help but believe that their supposed switch has a lot to do with, oh, shit, we need to get our TV grifting back on. So, let's shift back over so we can start making some of that Republican bread that's out there floating around. I just don't know. I don't know a single Republican, a single conservative, a single MAGA supporter that's going to turn on CNN legitimately and let it sit on there and watch them. I just can't imagine at this point. I really can't. I don't know what that network does, frankly. I really don't. They could go out there and hire Hannity and Tucker Carlson tomorrow, and I just don't see it. I mean, in fact, we would question Hannity and Tucker for for taking the job, right? Uh, So, there it is. CNN looks like it's trying to cover its tracks now, but there's an obvious change in lighting to take that blood red, that Emperor Palpatine red background, that Adolf Hitler, we're about to burn Bibles uh, speech uh, imagery they had going on in the background, and there's, there's an obvious shift into a very brightish pink background. So all of a sudden it looks cheery and friendly and I guess just part of the LGBTQ community. Is that where we were going with the pink? Hell, I don't know. Uh, it still didn't look good, even in pink. All right, it didn't. And the message was even shittier. Tell me what you think, Black and White Network supporters. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Link in the description. Use promo code USAFIRST, all one word. USAFIRST, all one word. 25% off now. I'm back. Rudrance for our Black and White Network. We're going to talk about that bug-eyed bee up in Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, Greg Abbott, and, of course, our running weekly tally of the total and complete 
war zone that Chicago, Democratic Mayor Lori Lightfoot, Chicago, we're going to do the Labor Day tally of the horror going on from urban warfare up in Chicago. And we're going to talk about this border thing, too, um, because she's out there and she's pissing and moaning because Greg Abbott bust another 50 50 migrants. Okay, I'm in Texas, damn it. Thousands and thousands and thousands of illegal migrants that Joe Biden has let saunter across the border. All right, let's just take a look at this real real fast so you kind of get an idea of where we're at. This is Operation Lone Star. And yeah, it's bringing national attention to the border crisis. It's about damn time. Should have been a national story 18 months ago. Since the launch of Operation Lone Star, the multi-agency effort has led to more than 300,800 migrant apprehensions. More than 19,400 criminal arrests. And let's look at this. In the fight against fentanyl, DPS has seized 335 million lethal doses of fentanyl. All right, this is the running tally. Texas has bused 7,600 migrants to the nation's capital since April, 1,900 migrants to New York City. And on Wednesday, they sent two buses with over 95 migrants to Chicago. Now, keep in mind, Lori Lightfoot at one time um, said that, um, and, and she lashed out after 50 more migrants, 50 whole migrants show up. She She's pissing and moaning about 50 migrants showing up. Keep in mind, this is the person that once said, we will not be helping ICE. Yeah, we will not be helping immigration control. Now, why is, why is Greg Abbott sending these migrants up there? Because these are sanctuary cities. Oh, my God, nothing to see here. They're illegal, and we'll welcome them in. Well, of course you will. They're, they're going to be more voters for the Democratic Socialist cause. All right, uh, plain and simple. So let's see what the hell Beetlejuice had to say about this, and then we'll get to the holy terror of Labor Day weekend in Chicago. Again, this mayor should have her ass in, in some kind of a police war room, finding out and keeping continuous tabs on what's going on in her city when it comes to violence. But no, this lesbian lazy bitch is going to be out there talking about 50 migrants. And yeah, I just went there. Sure did. Because as a Texan, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Mayor Lori Lightfoot lashes out at Texas Governor Greg Abbott after 50 more migrants. 50 more migrants. Jesus, we probably had 8,000 come across yesterday. And she's bitching about 50. Shut up. More migrants arrived in Chicago from Texas on Sunday, and Democratic Mayor Lori Lightfoot once again slammed Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott, saying he is using them as human pawns. (laughs) Okay. Now, he is making a point. He is trying to bring national attention to a, a true issue, something that's a threat to Texans that Democrats have turned a blind eye to and the mainstream media turned a blind eye to. So, yeah, that's right. You're going to let them come over here? You're going to run a sanctuary city? 
you're going to get exactly what you asked for. Sure. The migrants arrived in the Windy City after Abbott sent two buses carrying migrants to Chicago last week. Abbott said he will continue to bus migrants to sanctuary cities until the federal government secures the southern border. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't. I mean, it's laughable that Mario Bowser was asking for federal help, the National Guard. <laughs> I mean, that's laughable. Yeah, your city also needed the National Guard while the leftist lunatics were burning it down. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lightfoot said that while she welcomes new residents, she has a problem with Abbott busing the migrants to her city. Quote, my frustration comes from the actions of the governor of Texas. She said at a press conference, there could be a level of coordination and cooperation, but he chooses none of these things. Instead, he chooses to send human beings across the country to an uncertain destination. That's unacceptable. Bullshit. They know exactly where they're going. He is manufacturing a human crisis, and it makes no sense. That, too, is also a lie. Your president, Joseph Biden, up in the White House, is the one that is manufacturing a human crisis. We're getting these people into our state every day. Every day. And you're pissing and moaning right now. Good. Good. We hope you're madder than hell. I mean, just keeping it real. After the two buses of migrants arrived... In Chicago on Saturday, Lightfoot said the city would help them find shelter, work, and schools. The mayor reiterated those remarks Sunday afternoon. We are a welcoming city. We are always going to step up and do the right thing to make sure that migrants coming into our city are well-received and that they're supported. Okay, for you voters in Chicago that are Republican and that are conservative, you better start voting these people out of office. If you're moderates, you better start voting these people out of office because they're saying, we're going to welcome illegals that are going to come in and take your jobs. I hope you're okay with that. And do you really believe that some of these migrants are not going to increase the gang warfare up there? Do you really believe that? I'm just wondering. Lightfoot launched a donation page for migrants in response to the arrivals. Necessities like clothes, Shoes, diapers, and blankets. We have people coming in as families, young children, with their first taste of democracy and freedom in many instances, and we need to make sure that that memory that they have of Chicago and of the United States is favorable. Regardless of where... I just jumped. Regardless of where their life journey takes them, I want them to feel like in this moment that they came to this city and we wrapped their arms around them and loved them and supported them. That makes me want to puke. I'm just keeping it real. How about you worry about your own citizens of your own city? Because you don't care. You don't care. Chicago Alderman Raymond Lopez appeared displeased with Lightfoot's intense focus 
on illegal aliens being sent to Chicago. Amen. In a tweet referencing the donation page, quote, and the victims of Chicago gang violence gets nothing. Crickets. Lopez used cricket bug emojis to imply that they get nothing but silence from the mayor. Right there. Good job. Let's look. This is exactly what he is talking about. Chicago police investigating eight homicides. And look, we're not even technically through. We're on Monday morning at 836 Central Time in Texas. But we've already got eight people dead. Dozens of shootings over Labor Day weekend. And this bitch is worried about diapers for illegals. Vote her out of office. They don't care about you. They care more about illegal aliens than they do about the citizens of the United States of America. Come on, stop it. Vote these people out, folks. The Chicago Police Department is investigating eight homicides, dozens of shootings that have already rocked the Windy City over Labor Day weekend, according to preliminary reports by law enforcement. Six of the homicides involved in firearms while one was a stabbing, one victim was fatally struck by a vehicle on the sidewalk. The first fatal shooting occurred around noon on Friday when a 27-year-old male was shot in the back during a drive-by shooting on the south side. A 35-year-old male was also shot in the torso, chin, and killed later on Friday afternoon. Jesus. Around 6.30, suspects in two vehicles jumped out of their cars, fired at a 24-year-old man as he walked on the sidewalk, fatally striking him. Two males in their 20s fatally shot in separate incidents while a 38-year-old man was fatally stabbed. I mean, good God. It's a war zone up there. It's a war zone. My God, it's crazy as hell. So, uh, she's worried about these illegals coming in. And it's a free-for-all of violence. And look, this is just going to continuously roll downhill, okay? The shit is going downhill, right? Shit goes downhill, rolls downhill. Um, And my point is, do you notice how it says male shot, male shot, young male shot, young male shot? And let's be honest, a lot of these males that are shot are probably black. So you're just continuously pumping up one of the biggest problems in the black community, which is a lack of fathers. Why? These fathers are going to prison or the fathers are dying. And people like Lori Lightfoot doesn't give a rat's ass about them. She doesn't care about her own, own race at this point. She doesn't give a shit. Most of these Democrats don't. They don't care about their own race. They want to line their pocket pocketbooks and get on TV and give a press conference. She should be out there giving a press conference uh, uh, showing a plan on how to attack and stop criminals in her city. Instead, she's up there uh, worried about some diapers for illegal Im- immigrants. And by the way, she said most of these are families coming in. That is a lie, by the way. That's a damn lie. Okay, they have already shown. I've seen the pictures of them lined up, the video of them lined up, waiting to cross the border. And do you know what it is? It's mainly single men. That family shit, 
That's a misnomer. It's bullshit. Okay? It is mainly single men that are coming over. And the families are still in Mexico. They're going to send the money over there. Cost of living is cheaper. I mean, come on. Unbelievable. You asked for this. You were a sanctuary city. So shut your mouth and take your medicine. And again, vote this bug-eyed bitch out of office for crying out loud. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Link in the description. Use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word. 25% off now. All right, guys, we're going to be talking about Serena Williams here in this video. As you guys know, Serena Williams, her career is now over with as she lost at the U.S. Open. Serena Williams has a record. 23 Grand Slam titles in the open era. However, the woman with the most Grand Slam titles when it comes to women's tennis is actually Margaret Court from Australia. Now, there is a caveat to Margaret Court's 24 Grand Slam titles. A vast majority of those titles came before the open era. Now, the open era started in 1968, and prior to that, Professionals were not allowed to actually compete at the Grand Slam titles. So in the open era, Margaret Court actually has 11 Grand Slam titles to Serena Williams's 23. Now, I've been very, very clear, folks. When it comes to the GOAT conversation, I believe it's Steffi Graf. Steffi Graf has 22 Grand Slam titles, and she was much more dominant than Serena Williams when it comes to her overall career. Steffi Graf played professionally something like 11 or 12 years, and she was absolutely dominant. She even won the Golden Slam. She won the Grand Slam as well. I mean, if you have not watched Steffi Graf play, you need to go back and watch her. She was just that dominant. But anyway, Margaret Court actually has some comments about Serena Williams. She definitely respects Serena Williams. However, she doesn't believe that Serena Williams actually respects her. Check this out. Over here on ESPN, Margaret Court defends tennis record in wake of Serena Williams. Farewell, says admiration, not reciprocated. So let's read this. Australia's Margaret Court believes she doesn't get as much credit from the tennis world as she deserves for her 24 Grand Slam singles titles and that Serena Williams doesn't reciprocate her admiration. Williams, who holds 23 Grand Slam titles, one shy at the record court set from 1960 to 1973, was feted in many quarters as the greatest tennis player of all time in the wake of what is expected to be her final appearance at Flushing Meadows after recently, after recently telling the world she is ready to start evolving away from her playing days. Williams, who will turn 41 this month, was eliminated from the U.S. Open in the third round by 
Aja Tomjanovic on Friday night, a match in which she stayed off five match points to prolong the three hour plus proceedings. And this is what Margaret Court actually had to say. Quote, Serena, I've admired her as a player. Court 80 told Britain's Daily Telegraph in a rare interview. But I don't think she has ever admired me. Court said she has become a persona non grata in the tennis world because of her Christian beliefs, which led her to oppose same-sex marriage when it was proposed in Australia. And you know what? She's right about that because at the Australian Open, there's a court there called Margaret Court Court. And um, there's been calls to actually rename it because she will not bend a knee when it comes to her Christian beliefs. Now, if we just stick to tennis, this is where the totals are for the open era here. You can see Serena Williams there with 23, Steffi Graf with 22, who I think is the GOAT. Um, but another person in the conversation is definitely Chris Everett and Martina Navratilova. You can also see Margaret Court right there with 11. Now, when it comes to finals appearances, In Grand Slams, Chris Everett has 34, Serena Williams, 33, um, Martina, 32, Steffi Graff at um, 31. And semifinals, Chris Everett at the top, quarterfinals, Chris Everett is at the top. And appearances, Venus and Serena, they're at the top, but they played a very, very long time. No doubt about it. That's why you see Serena up here. With um, the most matches played um, at 423 and Steffi Graf at uh, 310. She's also won the most matches. And those are really kind of longevity uh, things. Because like I said, Steffi Graf retired at 29 years old. Uh, Serena about to be 41 and uh, just retired here. But um, check this out. When it comes to uh, Grand Slam records, Margaret Court has a almost a 91% winning percentage. Steffi Graf, just under 90%. They have Chris Everett at 89 and uh, Serena Williams at, uh, at like uh, 80, about 87% right there. So Margaret Court, definitely an all-time great player, but I believe she kind of suffers from um, the same deal with like Bill Russell. Bill Russell has 11 titles, but... He won his titles when there were only like 10 teams in the NBA and the players in the NBA at that time, majority of them were not even, were not even full-time NBA players. They had like jobs in the off season. Uh, Bill Russell, he was a full-time player at that point. So it's kind of, you know, the Michael Jordan versus Bill Russell thing. And when you actually see the ranking of uh, NBA players, usually it's Jordan one and Bill Russell is somewhere like, Maybe like top eight, you know, that kind of thing. But um, Margaret Court saying that Serena Williams doesn't really respect her. I believe it's probably because of the open era thing. I mean, you can only play in the era that you were playing in. And um, when it comes to tennis, a vast majority of Margaret Court was in the pre-open era, even though she was dominant in the open era. She was. But. I believe the media is just going to continue to praise Serena Williams as a GOAT, but she's not. Serena Williams is definitely, I believe, like top four. 
I believe it's Steffi Graf. And then you can go Martina. You can go Chris Everett. And then you can put Serena Williams somewhere around there. But for me, the GOAT is clearly Steffi Graf. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. Link in the description. Use promo code USA First, all one word. USA First, all one word. 25% off now. All right, guys, we're going to be talking about the madness that has been going on in sports when it comes to transgenders, namely transgender women, biological men who want to go over and compete against actual biological women. Now, we've been very, very clear. This is unfair. Uh, you guys saw how the whole Leah Thomas thing actually unfolded, um, came in, dominated the competition, and some women stood no chance whatsoever against a biological male. Now, in this particular video, we're going to be talking about rugby. Now, rugby is very, very similar to the NFL. It is very, very physical. And if you throw a biological man onto a field of uh, rugby players and then women, it's probably not going to go very well for the women on the field. Now, I believe I actually mentioned this in a video probably a few months ago. When it comes to rugby, biological men have been banned from actually competing in the female sport of rugby. However, guys, this one quote unquote transgender woman rugby player is now threatening to actually file a lawsuit. Check this out on the post millennial transgender player threatens to sue women's rugby for banning biological males. Let's read this guys, because this is complete and utter madness. It says here, England's rugby football union, RFU is now facing a legal challenge to their ban on biological males playing in female divisions with one transgender female player claiming that the new rules discriminate against fellow trans athletes in the sport. Why don't you just actually play against biological males? I believe that would actually be fair. But anyway, according to the Telegraph Sport, the London-based law firm Russell Cook has brought forth a pre-action protocol letter, which the outlet describes as a, quote, legal document written to resolve a dispute before court proceedings are commenced on behalf of uh, Julie Curtis, who is a biological man following the union's enactment of the ban in July. Curtis is one of um, seven uh, registered transgender women in the country that are no longer allowed to play on women's teams following the ban. In 2019, one biological male player on a British women's rugby team was noted to have folded opponents like a debt chair. So they were getting crushed out there 
like a prime J.J. Watt. This is crazy. Kelly Morgan was nicknamed Beast by teammates and coaches. Uh, joked that it would be nice if Morgan could stop injuring teammates during practice. So this biological male was actually injuring their own teammates during practice. Crazy. Curtis claims that the sports governing body discriminates against her on the basis of her gender reassignment protective characteristic under Section 7 of the Equality Act of 2010, according to the Telegraph Sport. Curtis was set to play for Hove RFC's women's team in the 2022-23 season. Curtis has uh, joined the East Sussex, Sussex team last year after sitting out for several years while undergoing a quote-unquote gender transition. Okay. The 53-year-old, this person's 53, guys. Wow. Has stopped attending training since the ban was enacted because Curtis claims Curtis cannot participate fully and felt distraught by RFU's decision. Quote, this issue is not about me. It is about young trans women and girls who now have no route into the sport. Yes, they do have a route. They can play with their biological sex. Just that simple. But anyway. Goes on. A sport which inherently uh, supports diversity and strength, height, speed and weight. Curtis told the Telegraph Sport. Society in general has a hard enough time getting youngsters to play sport. And now the RFU have closed the door to an entire section of the population. I would not have been uh, content to walk away from this debate where, where if it were not for the support of um, cisgender female players. Oh, my goodness. I hate that word. Including some current England women's players who have reached out to me and said they are appalled by this decision. I'm willing to have my position change if the RFU can demonstrate that this change has genuinely been driven by female players who are genuinely asking for it. Curtis continued. So this is crazy, guys. Threatened to file a lawsuit because you as a biological man cannot compete against women in a pretty much a pretty physical sport. Rugby is pretty physical. I mean, when you're hitting other women, do, do you just feel good about yourself doing that? I'm sorry. I would not feel good about just running over women like that. I would not. That is wrong. No girl is being actually stopped from playing rugby. They just got to play against other women, just like the men. Why don't we ever hear anything about the reverse of this? Why don't we actually hear about the biological women going over and competing against the biological men? There seems to be no movement for that. But there's a movement to have biological men come over and dominate women. I just don't get this, guys. But that's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans. Let's know stick about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. 
You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. I'm back. Rutrians for our Black and White Sports 2. We're going to talk about two things, UCLA, and we're going to talk about the college football playoff expanding. I didn't make a video on that yet. I do want to touch on that because I want to take a look back at what the playoffs, I believe under the current format, would have looked like. Um, there would have been some buys in there uh, for some teams. And uh, I'm not so much worried about that as I am, hey, let's look at 5-12 through 12 and see what that playoff scenario would have looked like. Because, frankly, I can tell you, 12 versus 5, that's a pretty intriguing game if you look back now. Um, and you might be like, Pittsburgh versus Notre Dame? Yeah. Yeah, it's intriguing for one reason and one reason only, and we'll get to that. Let's look at UCLA first because this just came out. And UCLA drew an embarrassing all-time low attendance over the weekend for the Rose Bowl. I mean, this is embarrassing. Uh, This once great historic college football program. I mean, we're talking about the university Troy Aikman came out of here. A lot of NFL players have come out of the UCLA uh, program, obviously. Uh, They did win. I mean, they killed Bowling Green, but uh, nobody was there. Um, And they drew an attendance that, yeah, I mean, a lot of big-time high school football here in Texas would probably beat out. UCLA's crowd for the opener against Bowling Green was embarrassingly low. This is David Hookstead over at OutKick. The Bruins blew out the Falcons 45-17 to get the season rolling. But they didn't do it with a ton of people in the stands at the Rose Bowl. L.A. Times reporter Ben Botch reported the crowd of 27,143 fans was an all-time attendance low. Yeah, but that's not even the thing. The visuals were awful, and it's because a lot of those fans that paid decided not to show up. To make matters even worse, the visuals of the Rose Bowl sitting practically empty for the start of the season, are downright humiliating. If you're a fan of the Bruins and it doesn't make you upset, something is wrong with you. There are big high school football games in parts of the country that draw more fans. Absolutely. I mean, look at this. I mean, that is unbelievable. Shit, that's like USFL shit right there. I mean, let's let's just be real. That's crazy. I can tell you right now. Um, a bunch of their season ticket holders, I would guess, didn't didn't decide to show up. Um, and that's what they think, too. Uh, that's got to include... It, he's talking about the attendance right here, 27-143. That's got to include 20,000 season ticket holders who did not bother to show up. I mean, look at that. Wow. UCLA is bound for the Big Ten. I would think that would get this program even more fired up. You know, I mean, you're going to have some big, big college football games coming there. Starting in 2024, and the program better figure out how to get uh, get people interested in football again because this is unacceptable. Yes, it's L.A., and there are plenty of things to do outside of college football, but there is never a reason for the Rose Bowl 
to sit empty for a game, especially the home opener. Wow. Wow. It's an embarrassing look for the Bruins, and it should be concerning for Big Ten as well. The Big Ten wants programs with fired-up fan bases. Judging from the video above, do the Bruins look energized? Of course, the answer is no. And, you know, I think one of the issues right off the bat is, um, you know, there's always a lot to do. The weather is great out there. But, but, this is a particularly embarrassing look with Lincoln Riley and USC being, I mean, with USC being thrust to the the front of college football again, Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams showing up, and the chief rival across, you know, in town. I mean, you could not get two different looks and and two different fan bases fired up. It's it's unbelievable. That's part of UCLA's problem too. Is it seems they're scared to take big squ- big big swings, right? Uh, so it's a bad look. It's a terrible look. Unbelievable. Let's look at this. College football expands to twelve by twenty twenty six. I hope to God this gets done sooner. I'm so fired up for this. After fourteen and a half months of haggling over details and questioning, this is Breitbart. Motivations: A plan to expand college football playoff from four to twelve was finally approved Friday to set the stage for a multi-billion-dollar tournament as soon as soon as the 2024 season. What still needs to be determined is how quickly the 14 model can be converted and implemented, but it will happen no later than 2026. When it does, major college football's championship tournaments will triple in size. Quote, this is a historic day for college football, said Mississippi State President Mark Keenum, the chairman of the CFP Boards of Manager that pressed ahead after a process that just started in 2021 with an ambitious plan was derailed for months. And it talks, goes on to talk about just total and complete political bullshit. And I'm talking political as far as college football goes in a unanimous vote and unanimous vote, 11 university leaders who make up the board approved the original 12 team proposal that calls for the sixth highest ranked conference champions and six at-large picks, as determined by the selection committee, to make the playoff. The top four seeds would be conference champions and receive buys into the second round. First-round games would be played on campuses and the rest at bowl sites. A 12-team, 11-game postseason to crown a champion would be worth as much as $2 billion in media rights to the conferences that play major college football starting in 2026. Quote, so our plans to begin with a 12-team format for sure beginning in 2026 football season. However, we have asked our conference commissioners on management committees to explore the possibility of us beginning the 12-team playoff format before 2026, either in 24 or 25. If the new format can be implemented before the current 12-year contract with ESPN expires in 2025, the conferences would make an additional... $450 $450 million in the final two years. The current deal pays about $470 million per year. You can almost bet they're going to figure out how to pull this off. They are. Um, that's a lot of money, and I can't see them leaving that on the table. Now, let's just take a glance. This was the playoff committee's uh, picks 
the top top twelve teams last year. Okay, this is December fifth, and uh, are you kidding me? Where'd that go? Okay, uh, selection committee rankings. Okay, so this was the top twelve teams. Look at a glance, I can't tell you exactly who won their com- uh, their conferences. Right, um, Alabama was one. I know Michigan won the Big Ten. Uh, I know Cincinnati won their conference. I. I, I don't know if it was Alabama or Georgia that won the SEC. I don't really care at this point. Uh, this is just simply uh, a, an illustration because I want to glance at what might have been the games. Because I know a lot of people are out there like, four teams is enough. Um, who wants to see blah, blah, blah play, right? Uh, and I got to be honest with you. I actually believe this is eventually going to expand to 16. Uh, I do because... If you look at 13 through 16, I mean, you could have gotten Oregon and Oklahoma into the playoff. All right. So eventually, that's going to be a thing, too. Why? More money. Plain and simple. Now, let's look at some matchups real fast because I think this is, you know, we would have had Pittsburgh potentially in a 12-5. I think that's how the format's going to go. It would be a 12-5, 11 Ten seven, I assume, and then nine eight. I, I would guess that's how they'll do it. Um, Pittsburgh against Notre Dame, you're like eleven and one versus uh, eleven and two. How's that going to be good? Well, just for a frame of reference, that would have been Kenny Pickett, the the first in the first college quarterback selected in this year's NFL draft, and a guy that looks like he may be the real deal. God, he reminds me. It's the same scenario as Mac Jones. He come out. Oh, my God. He's got all the experience, blah, blah, blah. But he's not flashy enough, so all these teams pass on him. And now he looks like he's going to be a real, probably good professional NFL quarterback. Um, Boy, a lot of teams are out thinking the room on quarterbacks now. Um, That's neither here nor there. Pittsburgh versus Notre Dame. Okay. So you would have had Kenny Pickett. The best quarterback to go out in the NFL draft against Notre Dame. I'm sorry. I would want to see that. Okay? That immediately makes that playoff game totally watchable. I mean, totally watchable, right? You would have had Utah versus Ohio State. Who knows how that would have went. Michigan State versus um, Baylor. And then um, a very sort of random, interesting Oklahoma State versus Mississippi. Um, so, you know, I'm just putting that out there. That would have been your matchups for that first that first week. And I'm sorry, Pittsburgh versus Notre Dame with Kenny Pickett starting for Pittsburgh. Shit, you can count me in on that. I, I would have I would have loved to have seen that game. You know, um, seeing how Kenny Pickett would have fared now. The one thing you got to remember in this is, um, are NI people going to give more money on NIL in order to make sure these great college football players are willing to play extra games if they're going to the NFL? That's that's going to end up being a thing. You're going to end up seeing. We'll just use Kenny Kenny Pickett as a as a reference, okay? Even though there was bigger college football players. Um, you know, oh, I don't know if I want to play the playoffs because I could risk injury. I think Kenny would have played, but you get the point. Oh, NIL. Here comes the local Cadillac dealership in. 
you know, we'll give you $1.5 million to play the last four games. You're going to start seeing things like that now, too. So NIL is going to add yet another layer to this college football playoff scenario. And uh, let me look at the final rankings because uh, of that UCLA story. Now, UCLA uh, would not have made it, right? And I'm not a UCLA fan or anything, but uh, I thought it was notable to, to look at uh, a once historic program that has fallen so far from from a perspective of the fans. And I know they're playing Bowling Green, but look, in theory, they should win that game, and they did. So you would have thought a crowd would have come out to support the team, and they didn't show. They didn't show. It's a terrible look. It's a terrible look for UCLA. And what's even worse, can you imagine some of these high-profile Big Ten teams coming in? Ohio State, Michigan comes in, and you got 9,000 fans, 8,000 fans in the stadium. And look, I know it said 27,000, but look, 20,000 didn't show. Can you imagine them showing up? And 8,000 UCLA fans are there and another 30,000 Michigan fans? Or 30,000 Ohio State fans? God, that's going to be embarrassing. That is going to be so embarrassing. And you're going to have a bunch of -of middle-of-the-road fans that are fans of neither that just wants to see Ohio State or Michigan play college football. And you got to remember, too, there's a lot of transplants, right, from Michigan and Ohio Ohio that are in L.A. right now. I mean, look, L.A.'s made up of a lot of transplants. Now, I don't know how many of those bailed and went to Ron DeSantis' Florida or Greg Habits, Texas, because Gavin Newsom is a total punk. Yeah. Tell me what you think, Black and White Sports 2 fans. I wanted to talk some college football this morning. Yeah. Two stories. Peace. I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports.